0: This morning uh, comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 11, verses 1 to 11. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden." Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you doing this? Tell him, the Lord needs it, and will send it back here shortly. They went and found a cord outside in the street, tied at the doorway. As they untied it, some people standing there asked, what are you doing untying the cord? They answered as Jesus had told them to, and the people let them go. When they brought the call to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the throat, while others spread branches they had cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest! Jesus entered Jerusalem and went to the temple. He looked around at, ev- at everything, but since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. This is the words of God.
1: Thank you, uh, Yanni, for reading that passage of scripture for us this morning. Let's uh, come to our God in prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you that this is your word. It is your word that speaks to our hearts. It is your word that can sustain us. It's your word that we pray will transform our lives, that we will not be just hearers of the word, but also be doers of your word. And so, Lord, we humbly come to you this morning and pray that your spirit will be at work in our hearts and lives as we submit to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, friends, um, as John has mentioned this morning, it's been a a, a very uh, busy week in that sense. Uh, we've had uh, people, uh, boys being born, we've had uh, a wedding, uh, we've had also a sad time of a funeral. You can understand the emotions that people go through. Uh, you have a wedding, celebration, you've got a birth, a celebration, you got a death, a s- a sadness, special occasions in other people's lives. so Goes all over the place, isn't it? But our God is a God who understands us, loves us, and we see that in our passage, uh, even this morning. So I want you to uh, to keep your Bibles open to Mark chapter eleven, verses uh, one to one to eleven. We're going to take a break from our series in Galatians. Someone asked me just this past week, "Are we getting back to Galatians?" We will be getting get back to Galatians uh, after Easter. So I just want to talk a little bit about the cross and and the focus. Uh, leading up to good friday and easter so today and uh, so that's what we're gonna do and this morning we're going to look at uh, mark chapter 11 1 to 11 and we title titled the message the king arrives on a donkey uh, this is known as the triumphal entry of jesus into jerusalem and all four gospel records gospels record the event that we will focus on in this study this morning the triumphal entry of jesus which is celebrated in some churches as Palm Sunday, it's the Sunday before Good Friday, but we are in fact two weeks before that. Uh, for For the disciples, this entry to Jerusalem must have been the high point of their time with Jesus. They may have thought, boy, this is it. This is the moment that we've been waiting for. The people are ready to make Jesus their king. We as his disciples will reign and rule with him on earth. And so this is a special moment. Well, what is so significant about Jesus entering Jerusalem? Why is it so significant? During this week, Jesus' entrance into Jerusalem, a number of things that brought the public ministry of Jesus to a glorious, triumphant conclusion, will begin to take shape even in the midst of what seemed to be A defeat to those who were around looking at him. Having already done three years of public ministry, we now arrive at a time on a Sunday that sets the marker for the coming events. This week will commence what is known as the Passion Week, which will culminate at the cross. And so the key to Easter Sunday is what is happening during this week all kinds of things will take place Jesus will leave this city he will go back to Bethany he'll spend a few nights on the side of Mount Olives and then in the garden of Gethsemane he will come back and will cleanse the temple he'll come back and then there will be teaching and parables and controversies and discussions and challenges and he will celebrate the last supper the Passover uh, which is what we call the Lord's Supper he will institute this supper and then he'll go back he will go out to the garden, and the garden of Gethsemane, and there he will enter into prayer where he will be praying and praying, and it's as if blood was dropping from his body in an intercessory prayer. And then he's ready to face the cross. He will be betrayed, he will be arrested, he will go through six trials. And then he'll go to the cross, and there we remember the seven birds of Christ on the cross. He gave up his spirit, and then they laid him in the tomb. Then he rested for the very last Old Covenant Sabbath, and then the first day, the Lord's Day, is Resurrection Day when he comes forth in triumphant victory from the grave. You see what a week, right? We think we have busy weeks, don't we? right what a week for jesus what a week for our savior and all of this begins with the ride to jerusalem and so this morning i'm going to look at uh, this text under two two points the ride and the response the ride and the response see normally jesus traveled by foot but this time he wanted a donkey now, why did he not come on a beautiful, majestic horse? Why did he not come on a stallion horse into Jerusalem? A horse, as we know, is a, in, in a welcome parade is usually associated with royalty and with power. For example, in some countries in Europe, there are statues of horses in cities symbolizing stately power and majesty, conveying status and dignity. A triumphal entry can be compared to a victory parade and so in the ancient world a triumphant entry took place when a king, a emperor or a general marched into the city after a battle had been won for a special occasion and people would line the streets to welcome their hero. When the president of the United States travels there are two limousines that are, off, uh, are taken on uh, Prior to his arrival in any country, I was reading about uh, his particular car. It's called the Beast. Did you know that? The U.S. president travels in the Beast. Apparently, it's, uh, I- I- its doors are about 18 inches wide. It's made with incredible stuff. Even the tires, if they are shot at, they can proceed for a long time without, on, on flat tires, as it were. And that's a president riding, majestic vehicles coming through. I'm sure you've seen those things, right? Or at least on, a, on our sc- uh, TV screens. So when somebody like that comes in, they come with a stately power. But now compare that to what is happening with Jesus. Have a look at your text. Now when they drew new to Jerusalem, drew near to Jerusalem, to Bethpage and Bethany, at the Mount of Olive, Jesus sent two of his disciples and said to them, go into the village in front of you and immediately as you enter it, you will find a colt tied, on which no one has ever sat, untie it and bring it. He sends two disciples with this command. He did not give the disciples an explanation as to why he needed the colt. Now in the Gospel of Matthew, uh, the account of the triumphal entry, we see that Matthew is the only writer to mention the colt's mother as well. Maybe Matthew wanted to make the point that the colt was not yet weaned from its mother, and as a young colt, it would have never been ridden before. Now imagine what would have gone through the minds of these disciples. Jesus says, go, find the colt, untie it, bring it. How would you respond to that? Wonder what happened in the minds of these disciples. One can only imagine their thought process. Why would Jesus want a donkey? Couldn't he walk? What if the owner refused to give over the colt? What are we going to do? Now we don't know whether Jesus had pre-arranged with the owner to borrow this colt, or it could have been that Jesus is all-knowing. We, we know that he is all-knowing, and that he knew where the colt was, and he instructed the disciples to go and get it. We don't know. But we see in verses 3 and 4 in our text. If anyone says to you why you are doing this, say the Lord has need of it. And we'll send it back here immediately. And they went away and found a colt tied at a door outside in the street. And they untied it. And some of those standing there said to them, what are you doing untying the colt? And they told, him, told them what Jesus had said to them and they let them go. The Lord needed it. I find that very fascinating, really. Very interesting. The word Lord that is used here is a title for deity and sovereignty. It's affirming his person. And he wanted the disciples to use this word Lord to identify himself to the owner of the court. And so when the disciples told the owner of the court the Lord needs it, The question is, why does Jesus need a donkey? In fact, why does he need anything at all when he owns everything? That's the point, isn't it? In fact, in Acts chapter 17, Paul says this, do you think the Lord needs to be served by human hands? For he is the Lord of glory. He is over all. He made all and sustains all. And he does need nothing. God doesn't need anything, does he? I'm, I've, I've concluded reading this book, uh, Zeal Without Burnout. I think I've quoted a few times now. It's fresh in my mind. It's a good read if you're on a plane or something. So uh, what, what does the book say? It says, remember that you, whoever well, right, the the readers, you are not God. God doesn't need sleep we do, right? When we don't sleep well, how do you feel the next morning? Nice and happy and chirpy? <laughs> we know that, right? God doesn't need friends, but we do. God doesn't need to be sustained, but we do. You see, God doesn't need anything. Jesus doesn't need anything. He owns everything. But now he says, see, is this a contradiction that we see here? It is not friends. And let me refer to three very quick three Old Testament passages as references to help us see the reason why he needed to ride on a colt. The first reason is that the donkey is the fulfillment of the proclamation. In Genesis chapter 49, the people of Israel as a nation are being established through the family of Abraham, and we now come to Jacob's blessing of his sons. The fourth in line is Judah, and that is the blessing of Jacob upon Judah so we see this Genesis 49 Judah your brothers shall praise you your hand shall be on the neck of your enemies your father's sons shall bow bow down before you Judah is a lion's cub from the prey my son you have gone up he stooped down he crouched as a lion and as a lioness who dares rouse him and then we read this. The scepter, the scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet until tribute comes to him, and to bind and, and, and to him shall be the obedience of the peoples, binding his foal, get this, to the vine, and his donkey's colt to the choice vine. He has washed his garments in vine and his vesture in the blood of grapes. This is interesting. His eyes are darker than wine and his teeth whiter than milk. Now, I don't have all the time to uh, expand on this this morning, but isn't it interesting? He tells us that this one of Judah is the vine. Does that sound familiar? Jesus says, I am the vine. Remember that? Right? And this one shall be upon the colt of a donkey and will fight the battle to his death. His eyes will be darkened. He will pour himself out and defeat his enemies. He brings the tribute of his victory that he secures with his death. And as he does this, he has a scepter for he will be king of kings and lord of lords and all his people will bow before him for he is the lord is the lion of judah the king who will win the victory over his enemies and how will jesus do this at the cross that's the first one the second reason is in one kings the line of david and so we have this as the second reason the second reason is that jesus rides a donkey is the fulfillment of Christ precedent we see this in one kings chapter one here david has been succeeded by his son solomon the messiah will be a son of david solomon is not the messiah but a type of the messiah and how will solomon be coronated look at that king david said call to me zadok the priest nathan the prophet and benaniah the son of Jeodiah. so they came before the king and the king said to them take with you the servants of your lord and have solomon my son Ride on my own. What is it, mule? And bring him down to Gihon, and let Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet there anoint him king over Israel. Then then blow the trumpet and say, "Long live King Solomon." And then there's the other passage. I'm not going to read that. 35 to 37. You can have a look at that. And then uh, let me refer to verse 30, 44 of 1 Kings chapter 1. And the king has sent him, uh, sent with him Zadok the priest, Nathan the prophet, and Benaniah the son of Jeodiah, and the cheratites, and the per- uh, pelatites, and they had him ride on the king's mule, a derivative of the donkey. Now friends, you might think this is crazy, Chris, what are you trying to say to us? You see, you get the picture? This king, Solomon was not the Messiah, but he was on a mule, pointing to whom? To Jesus one day, who is going to be the real king, coming on a colt. And the third reason is the text in Zechariah chapter 9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion what a wonderful thing that is isn't it shout aloud O daughter of jerusalem behold your king is coming to you righteous and having salvation is he humble and mounted on a donkey on a colt the foal of a donkey three passages i've given you this morning to point out clearly that Jesus riding into Jerusalem on a donkey was not an accident. One, it was a proclamation. Second, it was a precedent. And thirdly, we have a prophecy. Three things, friends. A proclamation in Genesis. A precedent when David and Solomon. And we have a prophecy that is being fulfilled. Do you see the point? Why am I taking... This time to do this this morning. When I was preparing this text, I thought, that's a lot of Old Testament things going on here, right? And you're probably thinking, Grace, we're tired. Maybe, how am I going to work this thing through? But do you see the picture? Do you see the significance? Do you see the amazing work of God in planning out the coming of His Son into Jerusalem, riding on a donkey with a purpose? The Old Testament pushing that picture, Zechariah talking about a prophecy. And the prophecy begins with the words, rejoice greatly. It's hard, isn't it, to rejoice? Sometimes, yes? (laughs) It's hard. When a loved one has been diagnosed with a serious illness, a cancer, when someone's child dies you lose a job life is tough yeah how do you rejoice i mean how, how how could you rejoice what am i supposed to rejoice in when everything goes through our minds there are times friends and i've told you this i sit in my office i look outside of my window and there are times that I'm emotionally so taken up, and I think about some of the struggles that you go through, that I, I struggle with it myself, my own issues, my own life. I look at life from all kinds of perspectives in this ministry, and that's why I say to you, every day is a. Okay, you should know this. Come on, a bonus. Come on, right? <laughs> every day is a bonus from God. Yes. You think about that. And so I rejoice. In fact, this morning, I was thinking, when I was out early morning, I just got up early morning and I disappeared for one hour, right. And I was, I was thinking this morning, you know, how do I reconcile suffering, pain, heartache, sorrow, life? I rejoice in this God. Rejoice because your king has come. Your king who understands you has come into Jerusalem. Your king understands the pain and the suffering. And I was thinking to myself this morning, what if something bad happens? What if something tragic happens? Will I still rejoice? And I thought to myself, yes, because I know that this life will soon pass by. <laughs> the things of this world does not last, right? Right? Yeah, we think that well, lots of people think they live for this world. they just as a flash, comes and goes, boom, 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 gone. But we rejoice in this Lord in every circumstance, because ultimately, our rejoicing, our joy, is in Him. And notice verse uh, nine, ten, Zechariah: I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the war horse from Jerusalem. And the battle bow bow shall be cut off, and he shall speak peace to the nations. His rule shall be from sea to sea and from river to the ends of the earth. Here is the king that is coming not to make war on the nations, but to make war on his enemies, to bring the gospel of peace to all nations. And he comes prophetically on the foal of a donkey. You see, friends, when a king showed up on a donkey, it meant that they came on a mission of peace but jesus choice of the donkey tells us the whole picture does it not that he was the messiah the king and he is called in isaiah chapter 9 a great text for he is the prince of what is it of peace and the government shall be upon his shoulders and he shall be called wonderful counselor Help me out, mighty God, huh? everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. So when a king comes and in the Old Testament came on a donkey, came with peace. When Jesus was born, the angels proclaimed peace on earth. He came to a city on a mission of peace. But remember this, friends. As soon as he gets off this donkey, he is going to war he's not going to war with those people but with his enemies sin Satan hell death and the grave you see death is not the end to a Christian right yeah it's not the end because this Jesus has conquered that and we look at that more on on, on uh, Easter Sunday See, so he went to the cross he's the donkey so why did let me come back to this so the donkey tells us the picture of what kind of king Jesus is gentle and meek the donkey signified humility and Jesus rides with humility he reminds us of his birth reminds us of who Jesus is gentle and humble come unto me all you that labor and are heavy laden and I Will give you rest. For I am. Gentle. And humble. That's this Jesus. Have you come to him? Do you know him? And so Jesus needed to ride. On this donkey. On a colt. To fulfill scripture. He came purposefully into Jerusalem. Riding a colt. Fulfilling all the prophecies. Regarding his coming. And his going into Jerusalem. Jerusalem and what was the response have a look very quickly with With me please you see the response what did they do then they brought the colt to Jesus they threw their clothes on on it he sat on it and many spread their their clothes on the road and others cut down leafy branches from the trees and spread them on the road and then those who went before and those who followed cried out Hosanna blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord so massive crowds have come after jesus they have witnessed some amazing miracles for example in the gospel of john we read this when the large crowd of jews learned that jesus was there they came not only on account of him but also to see who lazarus what happened to lazarus friends remember lazarus brother lazarus was dead jesus raised him from the dead And so the chief priest made plans to put Lazarus to death as well because on account of him. And then in verse uh, 12 and 13, the next day, so this is a triumphal entry recorded in John. The next day the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, who is even the King of Israel. Get the picture. Crowds in front. Crowds behind. I was reading some commentaries on this, and they say this: it must have been a kind of a an orchestral backing with people voices coming out in the front. They were going "Ozana," in the back they were shouting "Blessed." It's like a refrain. Right? It's like when we sing that hymn. I'm not a good singer, you know that. Like "It is well, it is well with my soul," right? And some people will say "It is well." It is well. You know what I mean, right? You get the picture, right? So there would have been people who went, Hosanna to the highest, people behind. This is the king, this is our king, blessed is he. So there would have been a people in front, people behind. Jesus on a donkey, crowds coming, children coming, rejoicing, shouting, celebrating. The Messiah entering. They did three things, didn't they? They take their cloaks, put them on the colt where Jesus sits upon the colt, not touching the colt, sacred, set set apart. The people are responding very much like they did in the days of Jehu where they would lay their cloaks so that the king would not have to sit on the ground. And in obedience to the the Psalms, they cut palm branches and they placed it in front of the donkey. And they put it put down in concert with singing something else. What's it? Where is that from? Psalm 118. Do you see Old Testament passages here? (laughs) Zechariah, Genesis, Psalms, save us. Friends, they shout, save us God, save us. You see this word could mean this. They could say, Hosanna means this. God save us. It could be a praise song, God saves us, and in this instance, it shows up both ways in how the people would use this phrase, God save us, or it's a praise song, God saves us, and it comes from Psalm 118, and what is Psalm 118 talking about? It's a messianic psalm. It's pointing to whom? you see i'm giving you this text not to extend this sermon (laughs) right i'm giving you this text friends to see the depth and the and the significance and the prophecies of god's word that's been spoken centuries before is coming to fulfillment as jesus comes in and shouldn't it strengthen our faith this morning to trust this word yeah to trust the prophecies of God that's what it is so there is rejoicing friends what's our response to uh, this Jesus today you see Jesus is the centerpiece of history is he not sadly some in the crowd did not know who this Jesus was instead they looked for one who would give them freedom and prosperity this morning how about you do you know him how well do you know him are you growing in him do you thank him for taking the ride to Jerusalem for you and for me do you thank God for the prophecies that has been fulfilled for you yes and for me and that's why Zechariah says what does he say Rejoice. Rejoice. Your king comes on the f- on the foal of a donkey. Riding into Jerusalem for you and for me. What a blessing. Yeah? What a blessing that is. Have you ever thought about that? And so Jesus in verse 11. As we uh, conclude this passage. He goes into the temple. He looked around at all things. The hour was already late and he went out to Bethany with the twelve. Now that's a whole sermon there in that one verse. We won't go into that this this morning. But we have a very telling account in Luke chapter 19. And I want to refer you to that passage now. This is what we read. Okay? Luke 19. Jesus weeps over Jerusalem. When he drew near and saw the city, passage. And that's exactly what happened to Jerusalem. Was brought down to rubber. Remember that? And Jesus approaches Jerusalem and he weeps. He cries. The, the, the Greek word there is not just these little tears coming down. No, 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 no. He, he, he cries loud Imagine this, he's, he's coming on this donkey, he's riding in and he sees as they come in and they see the plains of Jerusalem and as they come into the city, they see this, the, the, the city itself and Jesus stops and he cries and he cries out loud. Why? Because of their unbelief and what's going to take place. He felt for this city. He prophetically saw this proud and unrepentant city as a pile of rubble. And that is what happened to Jerusalem. Think about our own city, friends, isn't it? Our own suburbs. What do you hear on your news? Nice things, do you? No. Are you shocked with what's happening? Yes. Are you saddened by what's happening? Have you seen the lost? You know, sometimes you walk the streets and you see people. <laughs> you think, who is going to tell them the gospel? Do you weep for the lost? Do you cry for them? You know, sometimes you and I can be very judgmental, right? We are judgmental. people. Oh, this one took drugs, he should be. This is it terrible person. She's a terrible person. Somebody has killed so and so is a terrible person. They are, they are just absurd good for nothing we might say. And I often think if not for the grace of God where will I be? Would I be like them? There's nothing to separate me from others. Right? We, we get angry when people speak filth from their mouths. Every other word is <laughs> <laughs> You hear that all the time. And I, I think to myself, well, if I'm not converted, I'll be like that. You see what I'm saying? Instead of being judgmental, which we can at times, and of course, we justice and so forth, I'm not, but what about praying? Praying for our own family members that they will come to know Jesus. You see Jesus weeps and he weeps those tears even for us today for those who are lost I want to encourage you there's a book today that Peter uh, spoke about evangelism right well I pray you take that book and read it I pray God will use you pray for one person that you will share the gospel. And so friends, you see Jesus coming into this city. He comes prophetically fulfilling what he came to do. He came as a humble king. And Philippians, Philippians chapter 2, the ladies will do that at Entrust entrust, uh, Conference, right? What is Philippians chapter 2 all about? A servant who has humbled himself, who became humble even unto our savior. And this savior. Weeps for people to come. To know him. And do you. And if you are not a Christian here this morning. I pray. That God will help you. To come to know Christ. And if you are a Christian here this morning. Friends. Then I pray God will stir your heart. Stir our hearts. To give us a vision for this world. To 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 share this gospel because this God has done everything for us and so in conclusion the Lord of glory in all his sufficiency has not only sovereignly promised to save his people from their sins but has also sovereignly shown his people and the world the means he will use to save them an unmerited undeserved love was poured out from this all sufficient savior to save us from our sin a relentless unstoppable love and Jesus came to Jerusalem riding on a colt as a humble savior looking to the cross for your salvation and mine shouldn't we rejoice? is there cause to rejoice this morning? Do I hear a yes? What about a resounding yes, maybe? Yes. 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 That is cause. Even in the midst of pain, sorrow, sickness, death, suffering, this Savior came for you and for me and for those outside of this place. What a blessing. What a Savior. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for his ride into Jerusalem. A proclamation, a precedent, a prophecy. Fulfilled. Set in his eyes upon the cross. The humble savior. The one who wept over Jerusalem. The one who weeps for the lost. The one who came to seek and to save the lost. Give us a heart for the lost in this world. Make this church family an evangelizing church, Lord. And would you help us to share the gospel with our family and friends and in this world. In Jesus' name, amen.